0: Well, good morning, North Point Community Church. Happy Sunday. I'm super, super thrilled to be here with all of you, speaking God's word and reading God's word together. Uh, it is It is still kind of weird. I really thought that what I was going to do to set up for this morning was set up a bunch of stuffed animals here. Uh, I would have a beanie baby named Nelson and I'd, I would uh, address Nelson there and I'd have a My Little Pony and th- that would be Amber don't ask me why I have my little pony. That's just another conversation altogether. But really, all to say that I really, really miss all of you. I miss seeing your faces. I miss handshakes. I just miss uh, high fives and just grabbing a coffee with another person. It's it's just been it's been interesting times. And I have a confession to make. This past week. I, I seriously started hanging out with people or looking for reasons to just hang out with people, like whether it be to drop off some hand sanitizer or whether it be to drop off a mask or make an excuse, hey, I got way too much cake that Jenny baked and so we're just gonna dr- come over and just give you some cake and then only to find out after an hour later, we're still like hanging out in the front yard. But there's definitely that sense of just missing being around people. Uh, It's kind of funny, I was reading this article from the New York Times, and the author himself was a self-professed introvert, and he confessed that after a month, he was trying to miss people, and then all of a sudden the Zoom calls started, and then he started getting just completely frazzled, just way too much screen time being around people and then found out that the the perfect amount of time that he needs for human interaction in a day is 40 seconds. Uh, So I know for those introverts out there are not too sure whether that is the perfect number. But let's face it, we're meant to be around people and yet the number of Zoom calls and the number of phone calls and text messages can never really take the place of physical proximity. Uh, There's something hardwired in us that just craves being around people. But not not just any people, I I would add. I would say that we crave being around people who love Jesus, who want to be formed by Jesus and transformed by Jesus, and also invite others to be part of this transformation. And so the title for this morning's message It goes like this. Embrace and enjoy embracing our need for community. And let me read from our text this morning. It's from Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from verse 22 to verse 25. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, And having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I'm going to go into the background and the context of uh, Hebrews really quickly. It is quite a fascinating book to get into. Uh, we don't really know exactly who the author is. Uh, scholars tell us that most likely be a second generation Christian, most likely uh, a Jew that spoke mostly Greek. Most of the Old Testament that's quoted in Hebrews from throughout all of Hebrews really is um, quoted from the Septuagint which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament and so that's why a lot of authors don't think it is um, scholars don't think it's Paul they they think it's definitely someone else Uh, definitely a community that was probably facing a really interesting time in its church life we're looking at maybe second generation Christians here Uh, Again, as I stated before, mostly spoke Greek, familiar with the Greco-Roman culture, Uh, perhaps shunned by the Jews for uh, perhaps, uh, you know, for some of us who are second generation in our culture, whether it be, you know, Chinese, Hungarian, British, whatnot. You find yourselves being a little bit distanced from the culture that you're from, not being able to speak the language as well. Uh, And so this might have been that type of group. Now this group might have been facing some persecution as well too, from all sides really. Uh, Facing persecution from the Romans uh, for this really weird faith at this point and being persecuted not to the point of death at this point, not that we believe, but definitely being harassed um, by all means. At the same time, perhaps not fully embraced by the full Jewish community either. And so they're finding themselves in really weird, uh, in a weird situation where they find themselves perhaps considering whether or not this whole Christianity thing is even worth following. Maybe I'll just become a full-fledged-out Jew. Maybe he's better off just to go back to being a pagan. Uh, and so you find this community that's a little bit in turmoil, and the writer and the author is trying to keep this group together. Now, this group is no, probably no different from uh, us in, in many ways who feel like a bunch of misfits, like the Goonies or kind of like the teens from Stranger Things. And so the author here is doing his best to just really keep this community together, trying to encourage them. And so I'm going to go through a number of the verses this morning uh, from verse 22, verse 25. I'm going to start from verse 23, actually. I'll come back to verse 22. And verse 23 reads, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So I said earlier in our introduction that although we're craving human contact, we're also craving to be around those who have the same faith as us the same belief systems, particularly um, that in Jesus Christ. And the author is encouraging his listeners to like, well, the purpose of our meeting, the purpose of our gathering at the end of the day is centered around this person, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior who lived, who died, who rose again, who lives in us through the Holy Spirit and is amongst us working his transformation and reconciliation around the world. This is the reason why we meet together. This is the reason why we meet on a Sunday, whether it be virtually or physically, um, really praying that we'll be able to get back into our school one day. But you're probably asking, so what is this hope that we profess? And this hope that the writer is referring to Um, reminds me of this passage in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. And it reads this, Christ revealed to the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, And that is the hope that we have in this person, Jesus, because when we were misfits, or as Paul says, when we were sinners, uh, Christ died for us, even though we didn't deserve it. And our hope is in the fact that this Jesus Christ that we profess didn't just come for the Jews, but also came for us Gentiles, came for those who are sinful, who are wicked, who are broken, who are misfits, who just don't fit in. And that's the hope that we profess because there's like, especially in a time like this, there are people who feel lonely. There are people who feel like outcasts. And our true hope lies in the person who can reach those people. Let's continue to verse 24. And so we're told to meet together in Christ, but let us also consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now the word spur in Greek also has the nuance of provoke, but not in a negative way, but in a positive way. How can we stir one another towards Love and good deeds. Uh, The message has a really cool uh, translation, uh, or as Steve likes to refer to as the Jar Jar Binks version, which I really love and embrace. Eugene Peterson uses the word inventive. How can we be inventive in the way that we encourage one another towards love and good deeds? And um, one thing that I'm really just proud about North Point is the fact that when there is a need people are just quick and ready to be able to meet other people's needs whether it be financially emotionally physically Uh, there's a number of people in our church who are just hard pressed because of the economy losing their jobs and there's been a number of individuals who've kind of stepped up to the call, uh, whether it be your monetary gifts or whether it be food or uh, providing baby gear or whatnot, just really, really cool ways. Um, All the Zoom calls, all the texts, uh, just even for myself a uh, really quick plug for Kyle Ricks who led worship thank you so much buddy uh, last week they left just Timbits at the at the you know front door and just said hey we're just we're just leaving you Timbits just because we love you guys uh, Amber dropped off some some amazing cupcakes uh, and they're like super bite-sized so perfect for a person like me who doesn't need more sugar or food for that matter and so we're Encourage to spur one another, to provoke one another, to doing love and good deeds. Now, one of the things that uh, I want to just take a look at, and I'm going to be showing a video, is um, about how in some ways we're also being provoked, but not being provoked toward love and good deeds, but perhaps being provoked towards disunity, uh, provoked towards... Division. So I'll play that clip right now.
1: In 2014, you may have taken a quiz online, something that looked like this. And if you did, you probably shared your personal data and your friend's personal data with the company that worked for President Trump's 2016 campaign. Here's how it happened. It begins with a research firm, Cambridge Analytica. CA partnered with a UK-based academic, Alexander Cogan, who was using Facebook data for research purposes. Quizzes were sent to around 300,000 Americans. They looked innocuous, over a hundred personality traits to agree or disagree with, and you got paid less than $5. But there was a catch. To take the survey, you had to log into Facebook, which gave Kogan access to your profile, including your birth date, location, and most importantly, your Facebook likes. Kogan combined the quiz results with your Facebook data to develop a psychometric model, a sort of personality profile. He then combined this with photo records and sent them to Cambridge Analytica. CA claimed that these models were the heart of how they profiled you, your neuroses and other exploitable traits. But Kogan and CA didn't stop there. His app also grabbed the personal data of your Facebook friends and compiled similar profiles of them. In just months, 270,000 people took Kogan's survey, and the data of up to 87 million friends was also harvested, close to one quarter of all US Facebook users. CA then used that data to target people, maybe you, with political messaging. C8 said this targeting helped the Trump campaign's strategy but the campaign disputes this. Kogan's work claimed to be for academic research, but he also shared your information with Cambridge Analytica, a violation of Facebook's policies. So was it a data breach? Facebook says no, that no passwords were stolen and no systems were infiltrated. But Mark Zuckerberg has said it was a breach of trust between Facebook and its users. The US Federal Trade Commission is investigating the case.
0: So really interesting, um, very interesting clip. And this isn't propaganda. I'm not trying to say that I'm pro-Trump or anti-Trump. That's not really the point of showing you that clip. But rather to be fairly cognizant of the fact that there are forces against us that are, that is doing its best to divide and conquer. Uh, and the fact that even as we speak right now, even the algorithms that's in Instagram or in, uh, I don't know if anyone's on TikTok, but uh, I'm not, um, but um, uh, Facebook, what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to group us into like ghettos almost. Um, and, and the danger behind that is the fact that when we're surrounded around like-minded people, um, we begin to lose a little bit of diversity. We, we start to believe that the, this group, this, um, not this false group, but rather this artificial community that we're placed in, that we think that we're part of, we begin to lose sensitivity to those who are around us, or even those who have various different thoughts, uh, various. Um, uh, I was going to use the word belief system, but that's not exactly what I mean either. Not a belief system, but a various different way of vantage point, their experience of the way that they view the world or interpret the world. And those things are really, really valuable. Um, when I was at FedEx, one of my roles there was to oversee diversity and inclusion and Part of my role there was to make sure that I wasn't hiring people who were exactly cookie cutter versions of themselves. And so I made sure that in our in our hiring process that we would have a wide range uh, age, socioeconomic background, diversity, uh, ethnic backgrounds, whatnot, um, even educational backgrounds. we had people who had PhDs and people who didn't have, Uh, high school as well, too, and recognizing that that creates um, a really rich environment for collaboration. And I think the same is also for the church as well, that we need that type of diversity. Uh, And it's one thing that I've really come to love about North Point uh, is our diversity, uh, is the fact that we have various different backgrounds. And the one thing that I'm just really proud of at North Point is the fact that knowing my story and various people's stories uh, as well in North Point, the church would be an unlikely place for us to be found and to be loved, but here we are. So going into verse 22, there, I, I wanna read this again. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I was going to share a little bit of my story really quickly. When I was younger, I faced a bunch of abuse and I'm not getting to specifics here, but this verse has always been an encouraging verse and a powerful verse for me because with the Holy Spirit's imagination, I was able to just allow God to enter into those areas of hurt. A lot of images that I have in my memory banks and inviting Jesus into those memories and imagining Jesus spreading his blood all over those memories and and cleaning it, cleansing the unpure, the impure, thoughts and some of the brokenness and some of the horrible things that I I witnessed before that was completely washed is it completely washed and no memories all that's I, I can't say that at all but the majority of them uh praise be to God so what so why is this of any significance for us well here's the thing is we're talking about like divisions It's very easy for us when we're on Facebook and we see that one comment or we see that one post and we're just thinking to ourselves, oh man, I just like, that really annoys me or that really bothers me or I can't stand that. And it's, it's very easy for us to like, there's those three little dot buttons up on the corner and we press that and it says, mute for 30 days, okay? Who's, who's, who's like, who's been guilty of doing that? You know, like, okay, I have, I'm not gonna say who, okay? But I've been guilty of it. And something that I've been really praying about, especially during this period of isolation is really resisting, not only just pressing those, th- that button of muting someone for 30 days, but really making the time to really embrace those people with different thoughts, different opinions. And here's the thing. This is not just thoughts or opinions on Facebook. This is also things people have done or said to us that have hurt us, whether it be uh, in the church or outside the church. And we can invite Jesus into those areas of our life to clean that, to clean that junk. And furthermore, to be able to have the mind of Christ, to be able to love them, to be able to forgive them, maybe to follow the Matthew passage, to be able to like, speak to them one-on-one and just say, hey, what you said to me or what you did to me really hurt and really seeking reconciliation. And that is really the good news. That is something only Christ can do in us and is something that we can only do within the context of community. My encouragement to us during this time of isolation is that it's really easy for us to be... To be segregated, both not physically, but also socially, also mentally, intellectually, emotionally, uh, philosophically, theologically even. And I am praying that God would just come into those areas and provide union. To be able to heal relationships. To be able to clear our conscience of whatever bitterness or brokenness that we may have and to be able to fill that with the love of Christ so that we can bestow love to one another. Uh, Let me close off with this passage here. And now all glory to God who is able to keep you from stumbling and who will bring you into his glorious presence, innocent of sin and with great joy. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes, glory, majesty, power, and authority belong to him in the beginning, now, and forevermore. Amen. North Point, bless you guys. I pray that you guys will continue to call each other up, text each other, find creative ways, inventive ways to meet up with one another. I love you guys, and I'll see you guys in the Q&A. Okay. Peace.